Hi, I am Hannah Beer, and I'm so excited to welcome you to the Unraveling Money Podcast, where we approach the often stressful, and let's admit it, very confusing topic of money in an entirely new and different way. In this space, money gets to be blissful. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Unraveling Money. I have an amazing guest here today, and I was so nervous before this interview and excited and giddy that I just needed to shake my entire body, because otherwise I just felt as though I would explode. My amazing guest is Caitlin Domner. Her and I met on a sales call many, many years ago when I was interested in joining a business program, and I remember just her presence, and I, I, I was a yes at the end of the call, and then instantly went on the internet and just kind of ferociously Googled her name. I was like, who's this woman? She's so fascinating and captivating. I know nothing about her, but something about her is so special. And then we started interacting more and just started, um, you know, getting to know each other a little bit better. And every interaction was just eye-opening. She is one of the most interesting people I know. Um, so let me see if I can sum you up. You're an entrepreneur, you're a wife, you're a mom, you're currently traveling the world with your family, and you are a published author. You published three nonfiction adult novels, and you just published your first children's novel. I should clarify, they're not adult novels. (laughs) Oh, sorry. No, so they're, so they're, uh, so I wrote nonfiction first and one of them is about sex. It's called sex every day, but it's a nonfiction book. (laughs) And then I started my first, uh, yeah, we're doing a children's book series about, well, it's, it's a fictionalized version of our family, uh, traveling the world and solving mysteries called world mystery Academy. Um, but I had to change my name. So it's C.S. Domner for the kids series because I wrote the Sex Every Day book under my real name. (laughs) And I was like, you know, if people do frantically Google me on the internet, I do not want my two names coming into conflict. Oh my God. I know our topic today is money, but I feel like if I had a sex podcast, I'd love to talk about that with you. Oh, we can talk. They're so interconnected, right? Like how you receive anything is how you receive everything. So yeah, for sure. Let's throw that into the mix today then. Well, I'm so so excited to have you on the podcast. Will you tell us your story with money? Yeah. And I'm, I love that we're talking about money because, uh, Jesus said like where your money is there, your treasure is, but I feel like it's a mistranslation because I think it's not, you put your money where your, your heart is. It's more money just reflects what we value. So what it's, it's been a understanding of what money is, is I think the heart of my money story, because growing up my family, we didn't talk about money. If we did, it was unclear if we were fabulously wealthy and could afford to go to Spain for a couple of weeks, or we were really poor and I couldn't afford new shoes at Payless because money was tight. And my mom, my parents wouldn't let me see the tithe check that they wrote to church. Um, like it was just, we just didn't talk about it. And, and I got really mixed signals about where we were in the world. Uh, so my mom, and I realized this, our money story is always a reflection of our parents' money stories is where we all begin with this. And so 
my dad grew up poor uh, and kind of was very intentional about saving and being methodical. He was at the same job for 40 years, really valued that stability and security. So I think for him, money meant stability and security. And then in my mom's upbringing, it was, it was a power, it was a control tool. Uh, so money meant control and money meant power and significance. So uh, there's a lot of that piece of her wanting to look good on the outside and being sad that we didn't live in the nicest neighborhoods, but then splurging on things like importing meat from Omaha, Nebraska, like that was important. Like it was just kind of this weird thing where there was always this kind of underlying belief that there was never enough money, right? That money would eventually run out, that money was finite. And as I started moving into this world of entrepreneurship, I started studying money because wealth, and here's what I think, I think money is just options, right? Money is just giving us ways to make decisions about what we want to do and how we want to do it. And uh, so money is just a metaphor for what we value. And so as I began to understand this story of what money is, it really helped. And, and for me, my entrepreneurship started in the world of sales, where money becomes either the thing that motivates you or the thing that stops you. Like sales is so interconnected to money that I realized I really had to do wrestle with my money demons. And if I was ever going to overcome the objection, like I can't afford it, right? It's the single most common objection that we get in sales. And so I was like, all right, well, how do we, how do we overcome this? And so I started doing a lot of research into money and currency, and I don't know how nerdy and esoteric you want me to get, but, <laughs> but the way I think about it is, is money is the best way to think about it is electricity. And that's probably why we call it currency, right? So it's, it's value. It's, it's a metaphor, a, a placeholder for value. So we create value in things like our businesses, and then we have to store that value somewhere. So when people got started with money, right? I would raise pigs and you would raise corn and I'd bring you my pig and you'd give me five things of corn. And it was just awkward and uncomfortable and probably stinky. So then we're like, well, if we could bring all of our pieces together and I don't have to sell you pigs for corn, I might want, if I sell my pig, I might want some corn and some wheat and a couple of outfits, right? And and none of you, I, I don't know how many times I can dice up this pig, right? So we're like, well, what if we had this shared value system and whether that shared value system was shells or stones or eventually gold, uh, like a metal substitute. So something that's intrinsically worthless, but hard to destroy. It's really effective for a, a currency choice, right? So we were on the gold standard for how many millennia, right? Where we're trying to give and sell gold and silver and this is our standard for currency and it's in this season of our economic growth as civilization that a lot of our world religions get founded uh hinduism buddhism christianity of course judaism uh and then 
Islam, right? So we like we've got like five major religions, and most of them, it's a moving away from money. Uh, so Buddha, uh, I can never pronounce his name when he's the Hindu prince, right? The Hindu prince decides he's going to give up all of his wealth to pursue enlightenment and tells everybody, all of his followers, you get one bag, like that's it, that's all you need. After that, you're you're getting attached to this world. And then Jesus comes along and he's like, uh, you get one pair of clothes and a pair of sandals and that's it, good luck. You're, you're now making your way in the world. And there's a lot of things that are said about money and we get this concept that it's holy to be poor and like poverty, scarcity and holiness somehow become interwoven. And I believe it was because A, they were here to help us break the connection between money as a power form and help us activate the power centers that were internal. So that was their job, like stop pursuing the external, like causing war, hoarding currency. These are the external things are not the signifiers of success move inward, find your inward power, find your inward value, find this is the sort of thing that we want to start cultivating. But I feel like we've moved into another stage of economic and spiritual enlightenment, where as we moved away from the gold standard, and we moved first to fiat currency, like paper dollar bills, uh, which could be printed by anyone at any time, really, if we're honest, Right. I could write you a note that says I owe you $5 and I just infused $5 worth of new money into the economy, right? Uh, and then now ones and zeros and now cryptocurrency, right? Where it's, we thought it was worthless before, but hey, at least gold was shiny. Now it's zeros and ones. Like that is our money is zeros and ones. Like it can't get any more worthless. <laughs> we can't, we can't eat it, we can't drink it, we can't sleep with it or under it. Like there's there's really no value to this anymore. So we just need to accept that and recognize now it's also infinite. So money can be created at a whim by anybody who decides to infuse value into the economic equation. So suddenly we're free of the old paradigm that if I become wealthy, I'm taking from you and there's there's no longer a single pie and if somebody gets more pie the other people get less pie the pie is now infinite everybody can have as much pie as they can possibly eat without <laughs> puking right so so this makes it a lot more fun to play in this world because now I don't have to feel bad about becoming wealthy I don't have to choose between being financially wealthy and spiritually wealthy like I get to be both, right? I can be, I can have lots of money and be on the path of enlightenment and generosity and love and, and goodwill towards mankind, right? They're, they're no longer in conflict, which is, it's just so much fun that we are now in this era and we all chose to be here and played this game together. So, um, so all of this was like in my head, but that's where I have to start everything, right? Is I have to understand the eternal principles of the thing then I can start slowly moving them 18 inches down and start moving them into my heart. And then I can start working it into my body. So it, it really helped me first to overcome objections. And what was really helpful was um, 
I think it's Robert Kiyosaki who says it, Rich Dad Poor Dad book. He says, don't ask, can I afford it? Ask, how can I afford it? And that simple question like really changed my experience of money in a really big way where I no longer say I can't afford something because it's simply me saying, and this is what your clients are saying too, right? Is I don't value this thing enough to trade what I think money is for this thing that you're selling. And so when I'm doing sales training, that's what I teach my closers is most often people think money means security, power, significance, or freedom, right? And so if you can help them to understand that they're going to give up this symbol, this metaphor, this placeholder, and get more of freedom, more power, more significance, more security by whatever it is that you're selling them, whatever product or service you're selling them, then this becomes a no-brainer, right? So, so when I'm on stage teaching sales, I'm like, okay, guys, I'm going to sell you this $20 bill for $10. <laughs> And I have people running up onto the stage to give me a $10 bill so I can give them a $20 bill. And that's, that's all I see sales as being. That's all I see businesses doing is, right, I'm exchanging value. I'm giving you more than I'm asking for in return. And that's, that allows you to have high profit margins, but it also allows your clients to feel really great about the experience of buying from you and working with you and moving forward with you, which means that you have great reviews and great referrals and, and marketing and sales become super easy. And then voila, money flows easily. So uh, in terms of how I've started embodying this, uh, I will say uh, there was another great book that I, I went through called The Art of Money by Barry Tesler. That's why I think that's her last name. Uh, but it helped me to feel how my body felt when dealing with money. And this is how I know I'm not totally through this because we just had a money conversation last night and we were going through expenses. And I was like, whew, there was some hyperventilating I'd had to do of like, oh, cash flow tighter in the next 30 to 60 days than I anticipated. And then it was like, what is it? Fear is excitement that's lost its breath, right? So when we get afraid and we start getting triggered by money stuff, it's like, okay, remember to breathe remember that money is infinite. Remember that money comes and flows easily to you. Remember, like, remember the eternal principles, like remind yourself of these things. And I come from a spiritual background. Like I believe I'm always taken care of. Right. Uh, and that was another thing. So coming from a religious background, there's so much that I think is misinterpreted when it comes to scripture and money stories. Um, like Jesus says, ask for your daily bread. And so in my head, I had this vision that like, all God really wants us to have is a crust of bread and a glass of water. It's like Marxist level sustenance is how God deals out uh, who gets how much stuff and they're all spread out equally. But then I started looking at how God acts in the Bible. And I'm like, oh no, God is like a prodigal God, like a wasteful, like extravagant God. Like in Psalms 23, King David says, my cup runneth over. Like God's pouring so much good stuff into his cup that it's falling on the floor and being completely wasted, right? Or when Jesus turns the fish and the bread into loaves and like he feeds 5,000 people, but then it wasn't just like each of you gets one fish and half a loaf. No, no, 
5,000 people ate so much fish and bread that they couldn't eat any more. And then when they went and grabbed up all the scraps, there was like five bushels of food left over that nobody could eat because they were so stuffed. Like that's how much abundance there is in this world. Like he doesn't have a problem with food being wasted and food going rotten because like there's just so much of it, you can't even handle it. So it was helpful for me to understand that God is okay with abundance, like superfluous levels of abundance. And so one of my mantras that I wake up to in the morning and go to sleep to at night, um, well, I have a whole thing. Uh, do you want me to say the whole thing or do you want me to say the part that has to do with money? What would you prefer, Hannah? The whole, please. The whole thing? Okay. So let's see. I am happy. I am healthy. I am brilliant. I am beautiful. I am confident, grounded, and wise. I am well-connected, beloved, and admired by all who know me. I have more money than I could ever spend. I have more time than I will ever need. I am continuously connected to source who continually fills me with love, joy, peace, and faith. So that's my mantra, right? And that phrase, I have more money than I could ever spend was, is always helpful for me when I start looking at like dollars here and cents there. And like, can we afford to do this or that thing? And realizing like money is infinite. Money is easy to find. It's just helping other people to see how this is a benefit and making it a win. So, and it's also changing the game that I play. So my parents, employees, fixed income in the sense that they don't decide how much they're worth, right? So the only game you can play when you're in a fixed income economy and you don't determine how much you are worth is you have to just keep your expenses under your means and save the difference and invest it with somebody who does know how to make money and hope that they do a good job for you so that eventually at the end of your life, you have more than you need to live on, right? But entrepreneurs, not so much. We live in an entire reality of our own making. Like we decide if we're worth $10,000 or $100,000 or $10 million. And what we give into this world is completely, well, I'm not going to say completely intangible. Maybe you do tangible things, right? But, but we want, we get to decide what we're giving, how much we're giving and what price we're giving at. So if there's any point where I'm like, huh, I'd like a new car. Uh, or, huh, I'd like to travel the world for three years, right? Uh, it's just a matter of like reverse engineering and say, okay, well, how much do I need to make? And reverse engineering and say, well, how much do I need to sell? And then hopefully raising your prices. <laughs> so you have to sell less of it. Um, but my husband and I play a cash flow game. So this is a net worth game. We play a cash flow game where in the net worth game, li uh, debt is a liability that can really take away from your value, your net worth, because that's, that's how you decide if you're winning or if you're losing. And in the cash flow game, it does not, that's not how the game is played. So you can decide in cash flow game, it's just, am I making more every month than I'm spending every month? So you can have wildly high expenses as long as you also have wildly high income because it's just the difference between the two. It's like a profit and loss sheet every month instead of a balance sheet every month. 
and and both are valuable like we do want your net worth to grow as well like it's an important game to play but it's just and that's the biggest thing it's all a game like money is just like little tokens that we're moving along on the board that helps us evaluate whether or not we're making progress towards whatever goal we have decided that we want to move towards and you decide what you want to move towards if that makes sense i love the playfulness you're bringing to money caitlin and I love how you just kind of took us through the history of money all the way to today, because we do live in an incredibly um, fascinating time with money. And I feel like many people are very disoriented because it's the mm -hmm. old way, it's the future. It's like, this is happening, that is happening. And it's like, we're getting whiplash from all the opportunity and choices and possibility. And yeah. you're saying it's a game. You're saying yeah. it's actually really fun. You're encouraging us to find a resourcefulness so instead mm -hmm. of thinking do i have it you know do i have the money do i not have the money it's about how can i find the money how mm -hmm. can i create these like currents these like rivers of cash flow yeah. in my life and to rest so one of the money bliss teachings um we have these affirmation cards and one of those affirmation cards i'm going to read it out loud yeah please because this is like exactly what you're touching on. I always have my affirmation cards with me. It's, it's one of my favorite, my favorite, my favorite affirmations. Okay. Money is a natural resource and as such, it flows in and out of my life naturally and harmoniously. I commit to surrendering to this natural state and source my safety from within versus grasping for it from without. I love that. Yes, one of the images that was really helpful for me uh, in understanding money flow was I visualized this golden stream coming into me and this rainbow stream coming out of me. And it's like, I receive money in and I shoot beauty out, right? So I, that's my alchemy. That's my personal mm -hmm. alchemy, what I can do. Right. And so, and some people it's like the other way around, maybe they, they take in energy and then they flow out gold, but like understanding to your point that this is not currency does not like being frozen. It is not designed to be stuck in a little battery cell for very long battery cells start going stale, right? It's a flowing moving current of energy. Uh, and energy loves to flow. So yeah, when you're feeling stuck or or in scarcity, generosity is a fantastic way to get yourself unstuck. Uh, to like say, you know what? I've got all the money in the world. Of course I can give some away. Of course I can buy that really nice gift for my friend. Of course I can send my client a present, right? And just give as if you're already in the state of philanthropy and generosity that you want to be because that's all money does money just amplifies it just magnifies all that we are on a small scale and that's why i want as much of it as possible because i want to see how big can i get like what does my personality look like when i have a 10 million dollar magnifying glass around it instead of a 1 million dollar magnifying glass around it or a or a hundred million, like whatever, like your set point is, where you're like, I can't imagine any more money than that, <laughs> right? So we all have this like mental thing where we're like, oh, oh, that would be a helpful story. Okay, one more story. Uh, 
because set points I think are critical because you get into a rhythm of flow of what level of flowing in is acceptable, what level of flowing out is acceptable. And most of the time it's unconscious. Uh, there's a great union quote that I think I'm gonna butcher, but it's something like, until we make the unconscious conscious, it will rule our lives and we will call it fate, right? So we have to bring these notions of money to the surface so that we can address them and decide, is this a true belief that I want to hold on to, or is this a lie that I want to rewrite? And for me, in terms of set points, I had gotten to the level of entrepreneurship where I was thinking I was bringing in like 10,000 a month and I was feeling really great. I was like that, that was pushing my set point limit and I would like fall under it and I work myself back up and, but I could never really get beyond it. And then bless her heart. And I mean that truly now, although I didn't at the time, I had a client who broke our contract, stole our sales team out from under us and refused to pay us the $100,000 in commissions that she owed us as an organization. I was like, okay, that's a lot of money. <laughs> and I'm super pissed that you took all of my money that I was planning on living on enjoying. Uh, and so uh, as a result, we had to get an attorney to file a lawsuit. And I don't know if you know this, but attorneys are really expensive. <laughs> So now not only do I not have my income uh, where I want it to be, but now in addition to my $10,000 worth of like typical life expenses that I'm expected to pay for because I'm the primary breadwinner in my family, now I need to pay an extra five or 10,000 every single month. So suddenly I need to get my set book, my set point. I need to double my set point almost overnight where I'm like, okay. I need to now make twice as much money as I was making before. And I was working my ass off before. Now I need to make twice as much money in a lot less time because it's just not worth killing yourself for people who don't appreciate you. <laughs> and so, um, and so, yeah, I manifested two fantastic clients and we were able to do $20,000 a month. And I was able to pay the attorney for 18 months until we got a judgment and she declared bankruptcy and, Ooh, yeah. And then, but, but here's the beautiful thing that experience cleared up so many, so many of my money mindset blocks for a lot of reasons. Now I know that I am capable and worth 20,000 a month. So now I'm no longer paying the attorney. I'm now paying that money to me, but the set point has been set and now it's mm -hmm. mine. Right? So now I can still make twice as much money, but it's my money, not the attorney's money. So that was useful. The second piece was that I was now pretty darn convinced that the universe owed me $176,000. And that's how I dealt with the situation. I was like, okay, I'm not getting it from her. I'm just going to have to lift it up to the universe or God or whatever karma you decide that you believe in. And I'm like, this money is owed to me. So uh, it actually turns out that was it last year or the year before? The government was handing out a bunch of money and we got a grant for $178,000, which I sort of think is all of that money I was due plus some interest. So I'm like, all right, universe, we're square. It's fine. Uh, I still would love to have more, but like <laughs> that particular karmic debt is now paid. 
Um, so it was just a really helpful for, way for me to suddenly feel like, no, I really do deserve a heck of a lot of money. Like I can show you the line items and expense reports of why I am absolutely deserving of every new dollar that comes into my life. So sometimes the craziest stuff, I don't know if we're allowed to be expletive-ish on this podcast, <laughs> uh, can really end up being an incredible blessing to crack open all of those unconscious belief systems and, and rewrite them completely so that you are free to live in a world where you are worthy and deserving of every good and perfect gift and it can flow to you easily and abundantly. I love that story. And it makes me think of a client I once had who taught me something incredible about money. When she came to me, she always felt like, like money was so scary, especially the big numbers, like, you know, $2,000 for this or like 25 in income. It's like so scary to her. And she said that what really helped her was to just be a yes based on soul. So that's something that we also teach in Money Bliss now. It's not, do I have the money? Do I not have the money? Do I want this? Is it lucrative? It's like, no, what does your soul say? Does your soul say it's a yes or your soul soul say it's a no? And that's always clear. Like, it's just like, take the logistics off the table. What does your soul say? And she was like, I started to commit to a soul yes, because I knew that if I say yes to what my soul wants me to do, the money always fills in right? Yes. Like it always 100%. fills in. This is what you said, you know, life showed up for you. God showed up for you. You still, you know, needed to take action real life to actually let it in, you know, like mm-hmm. applying for the grant, but like she taught me, I need to be a yes based on soul and then trust that the universe and I were going to co-create the filling in of the funds needed. And she said that she started saying yes to impossible things you know, like, like working with me for her at the time, it was so much money. And she was like, Oh, shit, I'm a soul yes to this. I'm gonna do it. But I'm scared out of my mind. And then she said, once her coaching completed, she was like, I never went below that set point ever again. So it was like, anytime she did, it's like a step ladder in a way where she was like, I'm gonna be a soul yes to this new expense or this new income level or this new whatever. And I'm gonna kind of get into the scary waters of needing to figure it out somehow, but she never went below her new set point. And so sometimes I feel like that's what it takes. And if you're not the one mustering up the courage to just be a yes to soul, life raises your set point. Like in your instant, in a way you were praying, Caitlin, in a way you were praying, I want more than 10K, you weren't doing it. So life was like, let me help you out. Opportunity in life raise your set point for you, and it was very uncomfy, but it got the job done. (laughs) The universe has been known to like hit us over the head with the two by four on numerous occasions. Like when we decided to bring my husband home, we're like, oh, we'll send him back to work after baby bonding, after baby two, we'll send him back, uh, and and we'll just make a little bit more money, a little bit more safety, right? day two of him being back, he's held up at gunpoint. And I have like security footage of a gun being held to my husband's head while I am at home with my three-year-old daughter and my two-month-old son. And I'm like, well, so much for security. (laughs) And I was like, and this is when you have to just, when you have those sales, those yeses, like that, that whisper, 
that's telling you what you need to do, like, please do not put it off because if you do not take proactive action, yeah. the universe is going to take very active action <laughs> to it's make sure get done. that you do what you want. <laughs> yeah. I almost feel like those little like nudges and desires that are being placed into mm -hmm. my mind, there are visions of what's going to be in the future. I can make it easy on myself and I cooperate right away and say, thank yeah. you, soul, for telling me what I'm supposed to experience in my life. Yes, thank you. Or like you said, I can just kind of sit tight and wait until I'm being smacked across the face with a frying pan. Right, you don't have a choice. It's happening. Yeah, it's 100%. happening. It's going to get done <laughs> in hell or high water. <laughs> and the other thing is I would encourage listeners is get clear on why you want money. Uh, and I'm sure Hannah, you teach a lot about this, but a lot of people, like I said, they think they want money. And when I ask them, well, why it usually comes back to freedom, safety, significance, right? Those, those things on the background, but like figure out, well, why do you need this money? Right. Cause money loves to be needed. Right. If you think of money as having like a personality, like it really, really wants to be appreciated. <laughs> um, and so if you, if you're thinking about this, so this was helpful for me when we were deciding we wanted to travel the world with our kids is we were like, well, we need X number of dollars. And then when we did the math, it was like, well, what are we gonna spend it on? Well, we're gonna spend it on flights. We're gonna spend it on food. We're gonna spend it on hotels. We're gonna spend it on Airbnbs, uh, which is our version of hotels. Um, we're gonna spend it on travel experiences. And somebody was like, well, then you don't need money. You just need sponsors. And I was like, wait, what? And they're like, sure. So you need Airbnbs? Go get Airbnb to be a sponsor for your YouTube channel. Like, oh, you need flights? Go get Delta to be a sponsor for your YouTube channel. Now, we did not end up executing all of this, but the idea was seeded that you don't have to manifest money. You can just manifest the thing that you want the money for. And sometimes that's easier because sometimes you haven't really cleared out all of your money stuff. Sometimes it's easier for you to manifest a free trip by winning the lottery or whatever it is, then it is, well, not lottery, but like, let's say you win a raffle, right? And you get a free trip to Hawaii. Sometimes that's easier than just manifesting cash and choosing to have to spend it on tickets to Hawaii. So if you just keep going back to like, why is this important? Putting it on your vision board, you open up so many opportunities for either money or the thing itself to just come to you uh, because, because you're ready for it, right? You're, you're excited about it and looking forward to it. And you know, it's going to happen. You just don't know when. And it's like, it's like a surprise birthday party. And you don't know when the universe is going to surprise you with your birthday present, but you know, it's going to be one of these days. And so you just get to like, hang out and wait. And I think that's a lot of people get a really sticky around this law of attraction. Like, oh my gosh, is it going to come? When is it going to come? How is it going to come? And the metaphor I think is most easy for us to relate to on a day-to-day -day basis is like going into a restaurant. When you go into a restaurant, you place your order with the waiter, he disappears. Like you're not constantly worrying like, oh shoot, it's been 10 minutes. Do you think he's there? Maybe I should go in the chicken. Maybe the chef needs help, right? I should, you know what? I should probably just go cook my own food, right? I think that's probably <laughs> the best solution. That like you don't go banging down the kitchen door like, where's my food? expected it 20 minutes ago you just know like because this is how restaurant universes microcosms work is you submit the order the order comes to you as soon as it's ready right the universe macrocosm you submit the order it comes to you when you're ready 
right? So it's, it's even more in your control than the restaurant metaphor. It's just most of us don't recognize how to just stay in that space of light, faith, positive, joy. Uh, like, I love your word bliss. I think it's fantastic. Um, I'm reading this book which I, I probably shouldn't recommend as like in general, but I'm loving it so much that everybody I think should check it out and decide if they can handle it, but it's called Existential Kink. And the premise is that like, you can get turned on by anything in your life, right? Like you choose your reaction to it. And, and that we, there's a part of us that really likes to pretend that money is scarce and I'm not good enough. Like we're infinite beings that came for the purposes of experiencing limitedness, like finitude, right? We, we've had an infinite experience. We've enjoyed infinite everything. We were in perfect bliss. Part of the fun of coming to earth is forgetting that and pretending like you are a finite creature who doesn't have access to everything. And so like, there's just, you get to have fun with the fact that this is the game that you're playing. And so it's just, if you can play and I might, I'm probably oversimplifying, but the book is really great. Um, and it really helped me to think through when I am feeling scarce about money, when I am feeling frustrated, like I can look at this, take a deep breath, move into my higher self, look back down at the Caitlin who's freaking out and going like, oh, isn't that so cute? Like she totally doesn't see how amazing her life is and how beautiful and like the money is coming. And like, like, and just like get excited about this, this play acting that we are get to do in this life. Like we get to pretend that we don't actually know what to do. We get to pretend that we're money is scarce and we get to pretend that we're not worthy of all of the good things in the world. Right. And that's, that's kind of the game. And so it's like, don't get angry at the game, like enjoy the game. Remember that it's a game, keep playing the game and just get better at the remembering part over time. Right. And decide, am I at the place where I really love the idea of living under a bridge? Cause that sounds like an adventure to my highest self who doesn't get to live under bridges very often. Right. <laughs> or, or is it like, or is it, no, I really do want to live in a palace because that sounds more fun to me, my, right? So it's just, it's figuring out what feels most fun. Like I will, I will say right before the client, the client swept the rug out from under us, my husband and I were in Kauai with our kids and I was there. I was so burnt out. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to go back. Like, I just want to live in the jungle with my kids and like Robinson Crusoe this thing for a couple of years and like forget, forget going back and running a million dollar company. Like, I just want to catch fish at the beach, cut coconuts out of a palm tree and like live in the sand. Like this sounds fantastic, right? So it, it shouldn't have surprised me. And I, and I did enough mindset work even at that point that I, I knew, I knew as soon as it happened that I had manifested it. Like, I had decided I didn't want my old life, but instead of, to your point, proactively deciding what I did want to shift and create in a new positive reality, the universe just heard, I don't want any of it and raised it all to the ground, like burned that puppy down, <laughs> like nothing left standing. So it was like, okay, great. Next time I'm feeling frustrated with my life, 
don't complain about it and pretend I want to be homeless. <laughs> like instead decide, well, do I want to be homeless? Because like I said, maybe that's fun. Like it actually sounded fun to live as a Robinson Crusoe family. And I probably could have pulled off a documentary about it. But like, it's just, it. I wasn't in a state of conscious decision-making and proactive life choicing. Life choicing, yeah, let's go with that, right? <laughs> so the universe decided to do my choosing for me. Uh, and, and it was like, all right, here's what you ordered. Boom, complete and utter devastation. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> which eventually led you to a very 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 lovely place and I don't know about you but anytime something really crappy happens in my life I'm like I know this is good for me but I hate it right now I'm just like I know exactly what I paid for it's the opportunity I've been wanting all along it's tailor-made for me I'm gonna be so grateful for this one but right now I just want to scream and curse, you know, to, uh, and you uh, should, right? Like feel all the feelings. Like that's why we're here is like to have all of these experiences. So yeah, yeah. have fun, rage, storm, throw pillows, beat pillows. And that's why, like, that's why ah. we say abundance is not a destination. That's like the yeah. big lie, right? Like it's a destination. Mm -hmm. Once I hit this in my business, once I get this, once the bends in, in the driveway, oh, the palace is like, you know, where my, you know, like when we have all these things, that's when I'm living in abundance and it's not, it's almost like abundance really is so is. close. It's, it's an alternate reality. It's almost like you can just yeah. step into this alternate reality and everything kind of looks the same, but it's completely different. Like the rules are inverted. We're so close. It's like this current that we can step into. That that's what abundance is. It's this movement. It's never a destination. And that's yeah. why these like embarrassing failures. I could tell you for hours and hours about mine. I'm so glad you told us a couple of yours because it neutralizes our money shame. It's so important. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, so even these like really soul crushing losses we experience aren't actually that bad. Right. Because abundance is so close, like the dimension, you can, you just need to like step over and you're there and everything corrects itself. That's the good yeah. news. And so it's not so bad to make mistakes. Right. It really isn't. And, and to your point, you're always in, the mind can make a heaven of hell and a hell of heaven, right? You're always in your reality. It doesn't matter what the external reality looks like. You, you are going to take you wherever you go. And that was what I finally realized when we were traveling for, so we've been traveling for 10 months now, uh, did all through Latin America, South America, Antarctica, we're now going through Southeast Asia and off to Australia next. Well, Bali for two months, cause that sounds fun. Um, and, uh, and I realized even when I was on the road, I could still be depressed, right? And that was, such a value epiphany because I've struggled with a depression my whole life. And I thought if I can just make my life perfect, if mm -hmm. I can just make enough money, if I can just have the perfect husband, if I can have the best kids, if I can live the perfect dream life, because everybody's like, you're living the dream. And I'm like, yeah, but inside I was still restless and dissatisfied and frustrated. And like, it was like, okay, Caitlin, you officially can't make your life any better. You've officially checked all of the boxes. You're traveling the world with your soulmate and three beautiful, healthy, mostly happy blonde children. Like 
you literally have made your life the perfect postcard picture and you're still going to be unhappy about it. Like at this point, you got to stop trying to fix the external world and take ownership of your inner landscape. Right. It's an inner and so, game. yeah. And so I'm getting to the point where I'm realizing it doesn't matter if I'm on a beach in Bali or I'm in a shack in Apple Valley, like the high desert where we started, like it doesn't matter because I am me and I'm going to decide, do I see beauty wherever I am? Do I find love wherever I am? Do I choose joy wherever I am? And you can choose to see beauty and find love and experience joy in poverty conditions or in wealthy conditions. And since almost nobody understands this game, we actually find that there are a lot of people who are extremely well off and committing suicide. And kids in Africa and Guatemala and places that we've been who are like super happy kids, like they just love life and they're going and playing soccer and life is fun and easy. Like, and it's like, this, this is the whole point, right? The whole point is this inner state of choosing and this is abundance, right? beauty, love, joy. This is the experience of abundance, not this. And for those of you who are listening on the audio podcast, it's a vertical inner game of abundance as opposed to an external horizontal game of abundance. Um, that's what my hand motions were doing. Uh, and so it's really, it's, it's so important to keep that in mind that yeah. you can use your external surroundings to, to keep yourself unhappy or you can choose to be unconditionally happy. Uh, and if you're actually truly interested in increasing your wealth and your lifestyle, and I'm gonna suggest that being in the happy box is gonna make that come easier for you. It's not the reason, right? I love how Abraham Hicks is like, you guys always tell me you wanna be happy so you can make more money, but guys, happiness <laughs> don't overlook like this is the point it is the means but it's also the end like aristotle tells us in nikiomachian ethics the whole reason we do anything is because we think it's going to make us happier however we define happiness and so most of the people who who say i want more money want more money because they think it's going to make them or the people around them happier and if you can start saying like huh maybe that's not entirely accurate may make your life easier, may make your life more comfortable, might give you more choices, 100%. But happiness is always going to be an inner game. Mm. Oh my God, I'm getting chills all over my body. Caitlin, you're just amazing. I could talk with you for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. I That'd just be so fun. Rewind and re-listen to everything all over again. You're incredibly wise. Thank you so much for your time today for sharing your hard-earned wisdom around money and giving us a little bit of a jump start um, and sharing your story so, so candidly. Um, for everyone who wants to get in touch with you, I'm gonna link your Instagram, your Facebook, your website, all the little ways that people can, um, can follow you and your family's journey. And yeah. check out Caitlin, she's, She's amazing. One of my favorite people in the world, as I've already said, Aww. it's no understatement. You're so inspiring. Right back at you, Hannah. <laughs> Love you, darling. Bye. Shh. I've got a special gift for you. 
Claim your 13 Money Bliss affirmation cards and accompanying audio at hannahbeer.com slash affirmations. That's H-A-N-N-A-B-I-E-R dot com slash affirmations for free right now. These affirmation cards are magical. When you read them once, twice, again and again, they will open the way to a new and more fruitful relationship with money. You'll start to live this energy called money bliss and be astounded with the amazing results you can create in no time. I promise. Head on over to hannahbeer.com slash affirmations now.